Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I believe there's a rhythm and art in everything that we do. This is my journey about how I went from being a hip hop dancing engineer to a multifamily real estate investor. If you want to learn more about how you can start investing in real estate, stay tuned to learn from multifamily real estate investors and hear how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and I'm on the journey to go from the hip-hop dancing engineer turned multifamily real estate investor. This is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. But before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind you that this show is brought to you by Nightly Productions. If you already have a platform, a podcast, YouTube channel, are you ready to create more content that breaks the noise? Be sure to check out Nightly Productions and find out how they can help you stop wasting time and money on content that doesn't deliver. Now, for today's guest, as founder of Adapt You and Adapt Media Agency, Derek is committed to helping people and businesses do one thing, and that is change. With the top-ranked Adapt You podcast and the focus on impacting others, Derek has rubbed elbows with influencers such as Tony Robbins, David Goggins, and James the Iron Cowboy Lawrence. He helps his personal coaching clients tap into who they are, what they want, and who they wish to become. Derek's Adapt Media Agency inspires businesses to change how they market themselves. His full-service digital marketing agency works with clients all over the globe and has a particular focus with branding for real estate syndication groups. Please give a warm welcome to Derek Peterson. Hey, thanks for having me on the show, Taylor. It's an honor. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, I appreciate you for 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 coming on to the show, and you know, I'm I'm excited to dive into this. Uh, but first off, you know, aside from the intro, let's. I'd love to give the audience a little bit more context about who you are and where you came from, and uh, sure, how you, yeah, and how you even like got into this whole syndication space in general. <laughs> yeah, it's been sort of a wild ride. It's funny, you know, as life uh, as you go through life, your journey takes you in different directions. You have successes, you have failures. And at, at, at 45 years old, I find myself owning a marketing firm, having a successful podcast to help people and working with a lot of syndicators. And, and it's the first time where I stopped. It really was stopping to chase my, my pension. And I started to chase my passion in terms of what I did for work that, Wait, uh, that oh, got me there. You said you're 45 years old? You're, yeah, you look like you're 30, man. Oh, thanks, you're, man. You're killing it. <laughs> oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, if if I was to turn my computer, you'd see I got a bunch. I I was been an avid athlete my entire life, and uh, the sport of triathlon yeah. and endurance sports has been my uh my fountain of youth, I guess. Got it. Well, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it just yeah. blew my mind. Anyways, continue on. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so my, uh, so, so it's funny, you know, as you, as you get older and you, you try different things and you start to chase money versus chasing what you're passionate about, you start to realize that you start to trade the stress of doing a job that you really don't like to make good money versus maybe making a little bit less money in the beginning and actually chasing something that you like and it's fulfilling, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the ultimate failure in life is having a lot of money, being highly successful and being unfulfilled, being unhappy. And I've been there with other businesses I've had, and we'll get into that journey. But now I finally, I'm in a a place where I can be creative, uh, which is where my juices flow. I get to talk to people all day and and have turned into a business that does real well uh, and and is aligned with 
amazing syndicators like yourself that allow us to, to you know, to, to, to great, create incredible streams of passive income for their clients and customers. And as a marketer, I love working with syndicators. So I know we're going to talk a little bit about that and differences between other marketing firms. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's, that's, oh, go ahead. I didn't mean to. Oh, so, so you want me to dive in a little bit about how I kind of, how I got here or where'd you like me to go with that? Yeah. So um, I would love if you can, well, one, how did you even get into to marketing in general? Like, have you always had a, a just an, a, a passion for marketing ever since you, you were growing up or like, what did, what did that journey look like? So when I was 13 years old, I, my, I was looking for a little extra spending cash and cause my dad would, wouldn't just give me money, which, which is the right thing to do. He's like, go out and earn it, mow a lawn, mm-hmm. shovel a driveway, go do something, living in upstate New York. And, uh, I, I we had a, lived in a nice neighborhood, got the neighborhood phone directory and I went ahead and I started, decided I wanted to open a lawn business. I saw all these people mowing lawns. I was like, I can do that. That's pretty easy at 13. So I, opened up the neighborhood directory and I started cold calling in February. I didn't even know what cold calling was at 13, right? <laughs> and uh, started closing, closing appointments to go try to undercut the professionals to cut grass, right? Because I figured these guys have these big mowers, these trucks, it must be expensive. I'll come in for less and I'll get the business. Lo and behold, I did. And I've got 30 plus lawns at, you know, at the age of, age of 13. So, and that really, for me, started to get the wheels turning and understanding how some of the tenants of marketing, right? Mm. So in, in, in marketing and sales, I think kind of go hand in hand, right? I mean, every product you see, touch, feel, someone sold it to somebody else and made money and they had to market it in order to get their attention. So from there, I actually went on to a small business school in upstate New York called Siena College, I actually got a marketing degree. Now, that was like 25 years ago and like literally none of it applies anymore. I mean, we didn't even have the internet then. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> it was like yellow pages, billboards, the things that, you know, we really don't do mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. But it told me, taught me the basics of marketing. From there, I went into sales. I was in software sales for years, then went into medical device sales. And I had a great career there for about 10 years in med device, uh, where I wore a lot of different hats. Uh, I was able to, to really start to understand sales and marketing. And then decided, you know what? I- I'm just going to do this on my own. Uh, I don't want to work for corporate America anymore. And I opened a medical distribution business. So had two different medical distribution businesses over the course of about seven years. And what I found enjoying the most about it wasn't running the entire business, although I did enjoy that. It was the marketing aspect of the business, whether we were marketing to the physicians or marketing to, to acquire great sales representation, the act of getting people's attention and providing them with a solution, that was fun to me because it allowed me to be creative. What I didn't like about the medical industry was a myriad of different things. And I just sort of got sick of it. And I said, you know what? Mm. I'm done chasing money. I'm done chasing what I think is going to you know, put food on the table as a father of three. I said, I've done well. It's time to go do something that I want to do. And that was just straight up marketing. Uh, so I decided to open a marketing firm years ago. And it, it was the best decision I ever made for a variety of reasons, because but the biggest reason is it allows me to do what I love most, which is talking to business owners like yourself, understanding their needs, understanding the product or service that they're trying to sell, and then provide the solutions that we have to make it come to life. Because every business needs to sell something in order to be successful, right? But most business owners are good at what they do, right? They're, they're a good attorney or they're a good doctor or you know, they're, they're good at plumbing. 
but they suck at marketing, right? So we <laughs> we want to be able to take that and alleviate that to that pain, right? To mm. to be able to provide them with the solutions because they just don't know about it. You know, like I'm not a doctor, I'm not a lawyer, I don't know those things. That's why I hire those people. So for that very reason, we got into this and it's it's a fulfilling job for me. I finally have connected with something that doesn't feel like work. And from that marketing journey, I've, I've had a bit of a real estate past myself, making mistakes, which we can get into through my career or through my life. And uh, I found myself doing quite a bit of work for real estate syndicators. It started with doing and developing the site for Whitney Sewell at LifeBridge Capital. And then from there, at the bottom of his website, it has the name of our agency, and the phone just started ringing off the hook once he launched the website with syndicators wow. all over the U.S. And we picked up client after client. And it just it has snowballed from there. We've had the privilege to work with so many, speak on so many podcasts about marketing to syndicators and really make that the lead horse in our stable in terms of who we work with from a marketing perspective. If you don't mind me asking, how did you meet Whitney? Like, how did that whole conversation come up? So I was actually doing some consulting, some marketing consulting. I was mm-hmm. a stand-in interim marketing manager for a company called Reliant Investments. Mm-hmm. They're one of the largest self-storage operators at, in the Southeast and a phenomenal company. They're based out of Roswell, Georgia, and got an opportunity to do some work for them, get their marketing in check. And I worked with them for about a good good year, year and a half, I believe. And they, Whitney saw that I developed their website. So when Whitney saw that... He's like, hey, can you do mine? And it went from there. So it just it sort of just snowballed in that fashion. That wasn't the intention to go down the syndicator route, but now we found ourselves there. Yeah. And you, you know what's really fascinating about just like this whole journey too, and, and you know, going into like the syndication space is that you've seen like all different types of of marketing from what it was before to even what it is now. It is, I feel like. Is extremely different. Can we talk about just some of the differences, some of some of those differences? So, so you, you mentioned that a lot of it before was like billboards, maybe like journals and advertising. What are some of the ways that uh, you've been marketing some of these syndicators and what platforms have y'all been on? Yeah. So, so I guess we'll talk about the evolution first. And, and right. the, the one, the one constant in life that I feel is the only constant in life is change, right? And that's in all aspects of your life and, and also in business, one aspect of our lives. And that's actually the reason why we're called Adapt Media Agency, because we understand that everything changes and we're here to help you change. And, uh-huh. and uh-huh. as things change, uh-huh. we're going to change with it. So yeah, that's I like where we that. came with Adapt. <laughs> And so change is a, you know, it's a big part of our vernacular. It's, it's, it's a word we use a lot. So you're right. I actually never been asked the question in terms of what have I seen over the years in terms of how it's changed marketing, but gosh, it's changed drastically for those who are older, my age, we'll say, uh, that are, that are listening, uh, and in for those young, young whips. Yeah. Back in the day, we didn't, we didn't have cell phones, right? So, so we had to get attention from people where their attention was. And that's really all marketing is. It's like getting your attention. So it's understanding where those impressions are, where are people seeing information, where are they picking it up? And you know, back in the day before you had cell phones and you were driving down the road, you know, the way in which you would you would get a lot of information was billboards, right? Because you weren't busy on your phone talking, right? Because you just didn't have one. So mm-hmm. 
billboards made sense. And to a certain extent, with certain businesses, billboards still make sense. I'm not knocking billboards, but I kind of am. It's not, not, <laughs> yeah, we're not knocking billboards. <laughs> the yellow pages, right? right? Back in the day when people would look stuff up before they had this, a phone, you opened a phone book, right? And that was a huge place of information that people would go to look and find businesses. Nobody does that anymore. Maybe my grandmother, <laughs> just because she doesn't know how to use the internet, right? So right. with, but, but people go and they, and they Google things now. They look it up on their phones. So the yellow pages, I'm still amazed that actually they show up still on my doorstep. Book. <laughs> I, I can't imagine many people open it anymore. I mean, just even look at the evolution of a payphone. Like if you see a payphone now, you like to take a picture with it because you're like, you don't see payphones anymore. Is it? I mean, you know, even those who are uh, homeless have have cell phone. Everyone has a cell phone. Literally, everybody has a cell phone. So it's one of those things where where as it's changed, you have to change. And where we are today, it's come so far, right? It's all cell phone, right? It's all internet. It's all digitally based, and it is. But it's constantly changing. You know, from you know one one week it's. It's, it's Facebook, Instagram, and, and Twitter are leading the race. And now all of a sudden, TikTok's coming out of nowhere for certain businesses where it makes more sense to, to advertise there, depending on your product and service. So it's understanding the demographic that you want to reach, the type of person whose attention you want to get, and where their attention is, and just funneling information to that area in a massive way. And that's, that's marketing. You know, you know, what's interesting about that too, is that even, even dating back to maybe like five years or seven years, like the, the use of, of Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, I feel like has changed immensely, you know, just from what it was originally purposed for to, to what it is now where it's all, ex, uh, it's an advertising frenzy, right? So, you know, did you see like a shift in some of like the strategies when you were working with like some of these syndicators then, like, uh, and how uh, they were reaching out to these people? Like, was like, did you just start putting like a bunch of ads out there? Like, what can we, can we just like talk about some of the strategies that. Yeah, we can get into some of the, uh, some of the action items and things that we do because it's, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty straightforward. There's, there's, there's essentially, there's like three things that I talk about when, when working with the syndicator in terms of what they need to do now. Mm It all depends on where the syndicator is in their in their journey, right? So sometimes if I'm working with a newer syndicator, right, that maybe doesn't have a portfolio to show off yet, maybe doesn't have a ton of experience in the media, so there there's less to put out there from a marketing perspective. We really help them develop the thought leadership platform to get them out there doing things like what you're doing, which is a podcast, hmm. right? It's a great way to be able to start to develop trust with individuals. And then we have syndicators that we work with that have been doing this for 30 years and they, they, they cold call their old school, you know, they've got a leather briefcase, you know what I mean? They're just, they're, <laughs> they've been resistant to the digital marketplace. Cause it's kind of like, I've done it so long and, and, you know, I don't need to do it. Right. How these young whippersnappers are doing it. The reality is you might be right, but, but the way in which people's attention is changing, you're going to have to adapt and change or you're going to fall on your face, right? So it depends on who we're talking with. So the first thing that we have to try to get people to understand when it comes to how we market their syndication business is understanding what we're actually doing here. So we're not selling real estate. We're not selling your deal. We're not selling your asset class. We're selling one thing. And this is the same thing that we have with any company that we work with, and that's trust. So do I trust 
that you're going to be a good attorney for me, for me to call you and hire you? Do I trust that you're going to fix my leaky faucet? Do I trust you're going to fix my medical issue? And do I trust that if I give you money in real estate, you're going to turn it into more money, right? And that trust is 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 everything. I mean, think about the things that you buy now and the, and the products you consume. You you trust that brand, and to develop a relationship and to, to trust somebody digitally can be challenging, right? If you've never met them, so we help create this sort of we'll call it a, a thought leadership platform to be able to get that person's voice out there for them to be able to start to develop a relationship with people, and that's. Things like exactly what you're doing, a podcast. So you've got the audio, then you do the video on YouTube. You've got you going on other podcasts and talking about real estate and talking about your journey and your experiences. So people start to connect with you. Then we talk about how we take that information and we blast it into those different pools of attention, which I'll talk about in a second, to be able to develop that network. So you take that platform and then you have to get the attention of your correct audience. So I always use the analogy of fishing. I think most people can relate to it, right? So if I'm trying to go out and catch certain type of fish, right? I'm gonna go to a certain part of the, to the pond, of a pond, or I'm gonna go to a certain type of a lake, or I'm gonna go to an ocean, depending on what type of fish I'm trying to catch, right? And then I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw my, my, you know, my, 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 my lure out, right? And I'm gonna put a certain bait on there to try to get that type of fish to bite it based off that. You know, those fish are your customers, right? Not to refer to your... Uh, investors as, as, as fish, but the reality is yeah, the, their attention is in one spot. They're in certain oceans, they're in certain bodies of water, you know, and, that, and that, that, that bait is your thought leadership platform. So the more you throw out there, the more they get used to it, the more apt they are to bite it, right? And right. gives you an opportunity to reel them into your boat, which is your website, which is the second thing we'll talk about. So that thought leadership platform deployed in the appropriate spaces to be able to get their attention is, is the first strategy that we work on with individuals who are trying to establish a large network of, of potential investors, right? And we do this for people that have, they've got no money they're trying to raise, they've got no deals in place, but they're creating a platform to be able to develop a, a relationship of trust with people. There was a study that was done by Harvard and I might butcher some of the results a little bit, but they took a look at what people find most attractive. And what they did is they took a, a bunch of faces of women and they sat men down and they flashed these faces randomly on the screen. They were all pretty attractive individuals and they asked the men to rate who is the most attractive. And 100% of them came back with the face that was flashed in front of them most often. So, and they changed the woman's face that they, men to men. So it wasn't the same person who was coming up. I mean, they did the same thing with women for men. So the reality is the, and the lesson to be derived from that is that, that in which you see over and over and over again, you start to become familiar with. And over time that becomes attractive to you because you start to develop a trust with it digitally, right? Mm. So if, if I'm swimming in a certain area, as one of the potential investors, right? And, and let's say I'm swimming in LinkedIn, right. I'm swimming in Twitter, I'm swimming in the podcast space. If I see Taylor over and over and over again, I'm gonna start to develop a trust for Taylor, right? So now, hmm. now we take them from your thought leadership platform and we start to pull them into your boat, right? So we got them on the hook, we're trying to pull them the boat. The boat is a website. 
So from a digital marketing perspective, we have this concept that all, you know, all, all roads lead to Rome, right? So whether it's your podcast, whether it's your YouTube channel, whether it's your, your social media, all those links are pointing right back to one thing and that's your website, right? That's your epicenter. That's where everything lives. And here on your website, we develop an architect and, and, and have the architecture necessary to be able to captivate the people when they get there. There's nothing worse than sending people to a website and your website stinks, so they just leave, right? The reality is most people go to your website, they are gonna leave. So we, we structure it in a way to captivate and keep their attention, use language, use imagery, use video to be able to get them to stay, and then offer them something there so that they give you their almighty email address. And the almighty email, the almighty address. email address. Because that enters them into with step three, which is your indoctrination funnel, right? So now let's say, Taylor, you come to my website, because you think maybe you want some marketing and I offer you what we would call a lead magnet, right? It's something that I know you're there to look at a website and I know you're there uh, for that. So I'm going to say, hey, here's five tips for how to build the most awesome and amazing website for real estate syndicators on your own, right? So, oh, shoot, I'll do this by myself. Wow, this guy's giving that away. Sweet. So I'm going to sign up for that. I'm going to put in my email address and I'll send you a video course or an ebook or something that's going to give you that value. But it's got to be very specific and it's actually got to be valuable. A lot of people do newsletters and all these other types of things that no one really cares about. You got to give them something that they really want. So now you sign up for that. Now I have your email address. You've now entered into my indoctrination funnel. If you leave that website, I now have a way to get back in contact with you. So then begins a nurturing and a drip campaign over time where we send you valuable information in a series and a sequence, which is known and proven to work to be able to keep you engaged. So it depends on where that syndicator is in the process. If they're not raising capital right now, now I just hit them with value, 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 value all the time. Tips, information, podcasts, articles, all that type of stuff. And I keep them engaged. So when it's time for you to actually raise capital, capital for, a, uh, for an investment, you now have a captivated audience that trusts you that is ready to reply to that email and that call for capital. And then we used all types of systems to send automated phone calls, text messages, and email addresses to create our emails to create this hype around an investment when it's time for it to go live. So uh, we sort of keep them in, in the dugout, fired up and warmed up, ready to go. And then when it's time for them to invest, we create that sense of urgency uh, to be able to get them to invest. So that is sort of the Reader's Digest version of some of the, <laughs> at a high level, the tactics and strategies that we use from the top down. You know, it, with how much that goes into it, a, I'm not going to lie, sometimes, it, I, well, actually not sometimes, it does sound a little bit overwhelming considering like all the different channels that you have to touch on. You know, so some of the some of the things that I've always heard of is like, yeah, and actually you mentioned it as well, is like with newsletters, like email newsletters, right? People don't really open it up. People don't really like email newsletters at the same time. But do you, for some of those, like, I guess, strategies that, that people don't necessarily like, do you still see uh, an importance with it? Or can people just like drop, uh, drop off and say, oh, I don't really need to do this because because people don't really like it anyways. Like is, yeah. I, I just Specific, specifically the newsletter? Yeah, specifically the newsletter. Maybe even other channels too that maybe people don't find as important. Like, do you still think it that could be important and people should still do that? So the newsletter is something that used to be the old lead magnet before lead magnets became more popular. 
Mm-hmm. You go to a good syndication website now, you'll get that pop up, get my book for free, get my free course. They're giving you something of more value. That used to be back in the day, that was the newsletter because right. the newsletter was the thing, right? And you'll find some of the older folks that are used to, re- to actually read newsletters still like the newsletter. And a newsletter still today has value. And I still recommend that all our clients do a newsletter because it's a great way to recap what you did over the course of that month. So if you are sending people each of your podcasts in an automated sequence and you're sending them your blog post, if they miss them all, they can get them in a recap in the newsletter, but it's another reason for you to touch them. It's another reason for you to send them an email. And while they may not open it, they might but they keep seeing you pop up in the inbox, right? Now, most people aren't going to read it. Most people are going to delete it, right? Just think about all the mail and email newsletters you get. But staying top of their inbox, staying top of their mind, just seeing you come across, it's like, man, this guy's on it, right? And this Taylor guy, like he's, I mean, I'm getting his blogs, I'm getting this, I'm getting that. And, and, And those who decide to unsubscribe, that's okay. Um, I get a lot of people like, Hey, I had 10 people unsubscribed this week. I'm like, good. I was like, now you have a very, uh, you know, strong, you have a stronger list of people that may, might actually invest, right? Not everyone's going to like your newsletter. Not everyone's going to like your blog post. They may sign up for it and later on, you know, unsubscribe to it. And that's okay. We're trying to whittle down to that list of potential people that really actually want your stuff. So, so newsletters, I'd say they're still here, still rock them out. Um, still make them part of your sequence. And, you know, that's one example of a way to touch somebody. Mm-hmm. And, and that's really what this is all about is touching them and, and staying in, in, in their inbox, staying in their social media feed. And we can talk about some strategies we do there to stay in their social media feed and, you know, stay with them. You know, I definitely want to go into the strategies, I want to, but I want to save that also for uh, Friday's episode when we, we do release that. But, you know, something that, it, that did come up into my mind, though, you know, because I'm not going to lie, for me, when I put something out there, it, it does feel a little bit vulnerable and I, and I don't want to be a bugaboo or like kind of bother people <laughs> when, you know, because I don't know, sometimes like I hear like, oh, I see his post way too much. And then I'm just sometimes I kind of like, I, I retract and, and just because I'm not getting that like positive affirmation, right? And that mm-hmm. something I do want to bring back into, I uh, kind of go back to towards is your story with, in, in the idea of branding, because at some point where you were just starting out, you didn't have all this experience and you didn't even like meeting some of these other real estate guys, you might've never marketed for a real estate guy in the first place. So, mm-hmm. you know, I was wondering if you could just like touch on an experience then where it was, where you had a vulnerable experience working with a client that you didn't know, let's say about the industry and just like what that experience was like and how you overcame that. Sure. That's a great question. So sometimes that, that, that experience happens almost every day. Uh, I'll Mm. be honest with you, where, where every client that we, that we speak with until we do have multiple experiences with that industry, we may know know nothing about it. You know, I've had the opportunity to work with, you know, I'll try to give you an example uh, of a good one. We work with an artist that, that, yeah, exactly. (laughs) artist, (laughs) Artists like you, we work with an artist that they actually took sheet metal and they threw chemicals on it and it turned into this form of colorful art. And so now I was entering into the world of art, 
right? Which is a different space. It's not a typical consumer product where, you know, I need a widget to do something for me, right? I need a blender or I need a, a juicer or I need an attorney. It's very cut and dry. Art's different, right? Art is like, I mean, I looked at that sheet metal and I was like, oh, that's cool. But me personally, I wouldn't spend $10,000 on that piece of sheet metal. You know, that was six <laughs> foot by, by two foot. I, 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 couldn't, that, I couldn't connect with that. So we had to bridge the gap of like, okay, how do I, with traditional marketing, how do we build value in something to the point where it, it in, in their marketing approach, where it gets the consumer to make that purchase, right? I mean, how do I tell their story so that I can connect with that type of customer? It's easy to connect with a customer that has a need for a, doc, for a doctor or an attorney and all that stuff. It's hard to connect with somebody that just has a lot of disposable income and and you want to connect with them with something that is artistic. Because to me, some people look at that art and they're like, wow, that's beautiful. Sometimes people look at the same piece of art and they're like, that's ugly. I would never pay for that, right? Mm. That's, that's, just, that's just art. It's very uh, opinion-based and yeah, subjective, opinion. exactly. Yeah. So where other consumer-based products are cut and dry. So that, that was a challenging build for us because I really had to understand the art industry. I had to speak to several artists that I, that I knew that were, that were into painting and all that. I had to call a couple art galleries and ask them how they marketed things to try to get a, a better understanding of, of the industry, of the customer and, and how it worked. And, and I'll be honest, that build with the client was a struggle because what we learned about artists is that artists have a very, they, they view things differently. They want things their way in a certain way where most clients we work with, they surrender to us and take our advice on how it should be structured mm-hmm. and how it should look aesthetically based off the tenets of marketing. We've found with artists, it can be a little bit more challenging because they have more opinion on how they feel it should look. And it's a bit of a tug of, a tug of rope to go back and forth with them to say, I get how you think that would look better, but it go, you know, it, it, it's not a good design concept because it makes it more difficult for the customer to get here and there. So that was a dance. I mean, with that, with that client and honestly, yeah, every artist is. thereafter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said that on purpose. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's uh, working with artists can be, can be more challenging for us. So we, we've learned a lot with working with different ones, companies that uh, build these artistic lights. And uh, we've worked with the, you know, a variety of non-for-profits that were in the art space. So you know, it's, it's, it's always a journey, right? Because if I don't understand the basics of it, I need to become that consumer so that we can develop a, a brand and a product that will, will deliver the results that they want. Yeah. Just, just to touch on uh, the artists, you know, like me being around a bunch of dancers, I, it, there's definitely the, this feeling where like, they don't want to compromise like any of like their vision and they're so stuck on that vision. Cause, and they don't want to, the term of like selling out, they don't want to sell out. And like, if they don't like it, then F them. I don't want to, then they're not the people for me when in actuality, like they could be the person for you. Uh, you're just not marketing to them uh, in, in the correct fashion or, or in the right way. But something I did want to point out to though, is that regardless of, you know, whatever industry you're in, whether that's art, whether that's uh, real estate, it, for the, one of the big uh, points that came out to me was that everybody has a story to share and everybody does have a brand regardless of your experience. And so, you know, t- to be honest, I didn't really have a, a lead up going into this, but something that I did want to on a touch on is like with Derek now and uh, what he's focusing on now, like what is a, 
what are some of the main goals that that you have and, and visions that you have it for uh, in the future? Wow, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Well, let me let me just backtrack it because I just went on a whole different tangent. Tangent. Uh, so for for Derek now, what is some of the what are some of your goals now? So like, what are you working on? What are some of the main focuses? So is it is it relates to the business or just overall life, scope of life, or both? You know, let's say I would love to just touch on both. I would love to touch on both. All right. So let's let's talk about the business first, uh, and then we'll go into life. And so from a, from a business perspective, we want to continue to naturally grow our agency to the point where you know we're we're one of, if not the largest, marketing firm that works with real estate syndicators out there. Now we'll always find ourselves working with a variety of other clients, but we really want to continue to bring on new clientele, bring cutting edge strategies to the syndication business to be able to really be a lead horse in the industry as it relates to doing marketing and branding for syndicators. I know we're, we're well on our way in that, in that journey and there's some stiff competition out there, but but I think there's enough. It's such a growing industry, you know what you're doing. Uh, it, it's 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 such a sound investment. It's such a sound opportunity that we feel it's a great place to put our attention or our focus. And you know, ultimately, I want to build this business to to the point where one day my my kids can run it, and I can sit back and and uh, enjoy the fruits of my labor. So, so from that perspective, and. From an overall life perspective, you know, one thing is, is I've gotten older and gone through the journey, different businesses, successes and failures, mistakes, all those types of things. And I've ultimately come to the realization that I want to continue to paint my story uh, in the fashion where I'm doing things that are fulfilling you know, to who I am as an individual. So accepting and understanding who I am as a person and making sure the things that I do are in alignment with not what I'm not like stuff where I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses, right? Where I'm trying to portray an image that is something that isn't authentically me. And we all make those mistakes, right? We go buy the flashy cars and stuff. And listen, maybe I like flashy cars and that's me and I have a flashy car. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But, you know, to do those types of things just because I'm trying to get attention from others, right? When the reality is I want to do things that make me happy. So what are those things? My wife and I love to travel. So one thing we did is we opened up a travel agency and we're in the travel business. She runs that exclusively right now. I just do the marketing for it naturally. And, you know, it's called Amy and Derek Travel. We've had the opportunity to travel all over the world. I mean, we've been to, you know, Philippines, Bali, you know, Thailand, all these places. And we travel extensively. We've traveled extensively during COVID. You know, we've just hasn't put, put a little bit of brakes on us because there was a time where you couldn't, but hasn't really slowed us down. And we've we really enjoy that because I think when you travel and when you go to different places, you meet different people, you try different foods, different cultures, that really expands on who you are and your perspective of what this world has to offer. So that's something that's important to us. The digital marketing agency that I started, all my employees are remote because I wanted the ability to be able to take my laptop. And if I want to go work from Turks and Caicos for a week, I can. If I want to go work from you know Sacramento, California, I can, Right. Um, because, and everything is managed digitally. And that's the beauty of owning a digital marketing agency. We don't need a physical office. There's tools and systems that allow us to do that. So the overall goal for, for me is to, is to travel the world, experience different cultures, grow this business, and then grow as a person by, you know, through, you know, through travel, through those experiences that that's, I've, I, and to, and to find ways to give back to those cultures and those areas that are in need. 
because I think that's, that's super important. The more you give, the more fulfillment you have. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I, I'm excited to, to see the journey and more. I'm definitely going to have to look up uh, Amy and Derek Travel. That sounds super fascinating. And then, you know, I, it's just cool to see that you're still moving forward and, and going on up, even despite all the successes that you have had. And, you know, uh, creating this legacy for your kids, too, is like it's, it's a really exciting to to see moving forward and and, you know i can already i can already visualize it so i just wanted to say thank you so much again for for coming on to this show i mean we've learned i I learned an absolute ton and i'm excited just to dive into that second episode Uh, but if people want to get in touch with you how can they reach you sure pretty easy so if you just google adapt media agency you'll find us. If you can't, then we're not a very good marketing firm. Um, <laughs> so it's www.adaptmediaagency.com. You'll find us there. You want to email me personally, it's Derek at adaptmediaagency.com. You'll find us on Facebook under Adapt Media Agency, and you'll find us on Instagram under Adapt Media Agency as well. So we're all over. You'll find us. And if you type in the Adapt You podcast, you will find us there also. Uh, we do a weekly podcast there. Cool. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Derek, for coming on to the show. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And we will see you in a few days. Thanks for listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. If you got any value out of this episode, I'd greatly appreciate if you head over to iTunes leave a rating and review the show, which will help more people receive that same value. If you're looking to connect and talk more about multifamily real estate, you can reach me at inrhythmmultifamily.com. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.